Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Invisible War, new film by Kirby, filmmaker Kirby Dick, explores the groundbreaking investigation into one of America's most shameful and best-kept secrets, the epidemic of rape within the U.S. military. This film paints a startling picture of the extent of the problem today and in the past. Um, it focuses on the powerfully emotional stories of rape victims uh, in a moving indictment of a systemic cover-up of U.S of military sex crimes, chronicling women's struggle to rebuild their lives in a fight for justice. We're joined by the director of Invisible War, Kirby Dick. He's known for such films as This Film Is Not Yet Rated, Twist of Fate, and many, Chain Camera, so many other great documentaries, and this certainly uh, finds a, a place among them. Kirby Dick, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being here. Um, well, I, I, I have heard about the the issues uh, relating to sexual crime, sexual assault in the military for a long time, but not something that's reported on a lot. Uh, but it's just one of those things that you uh, that has been it's been out there for a while. What prompted you and and Amy Zering to look into this further and uh, decide to do a film about it? Uh, yeah, Amy Ziering, uh, my producer, and I um, read an article um, a, a several years ago, and uh, we were astounded by the extent of the problem. And we did additional research and realized it was even worse than had been recounted in the article. And once we came across, you know, those that information, we decided to make a film. I mean, what's interesting is what you say is that there has been, I mean, people may have heard of Tailhook, uh, the Air Force Academy scandals, but the military always portrayed those as one-offs, as that, that was something happening at this convention or this academy, when in fact this is systemic. This is going on in every military base across the country and, and across the world. It's not only in theaters of war, it's just as bad uh, stateside. Yeah, and the, and the statistics are staggering uh, as uh, up to, uh, according to the Department of Defense, estimates of uh, 19,300 servicemen were sexually assaulted in 2010 alone. Uh, but as, yeah. the, as the film mentions, and please extrapolate on this, the, uh, that really the numbers are much higher than that. Well, they are, um, because if you, uh, if, uh, you know, over the last uh, several decades, hundreds of thousands of men and women have been assaulted. It could, it could even approach a million over the last several generations. This is a, a problem that's been covered up, really, since World War II and possibly even before. And again, this is one of the real challenges in making this film is because there was not, there was isolated information out there, but there was not a lot of information out there. And even finding the subjects to talk about it took a great deal of work. Yeah, and and I the, this uh, not only are the the information that we glean from uh, the Invisible War fantastic, it's great information to have uh, moving forward. But the power of this film is really in the stories of the victims of sexual assault, and in in particular, the the twist and turns that their cases, their their personal history, and their dealing with the U.S. military takes. 
How did you find these women? What was the sort of process you and Amy used to 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 find uh, the people that are in or that are in the film? Well, you know, uh, we wanted to find as many potential people who could be subjects in the film uh, because obviously the, we wanted a very large pool because the larger the pool of people you have to draw from, the better subjects you're going to get for, for the film. So we reached out through therapists, victims advocates, attorneys, and did a lot of work searching through the Internet to find people who were maybe making slight mentions of it. Mm-hmm. And we actually got in contact with over 100. Amy spoke, had extensive conversations with more than 70. And we did interviews and pre-interviews on camera with 40 to 50 people. So it was a great, it was a great, you know, it's a pretty extensive undertaking. Yeah, and and they're, they're very powerful stories. Um, a lot of the film... Um, uh, the, one of the central stories in the film is Corey Sioka and her her particular one illuminates, just as you were describing, as sort of the victimization, the initial victimization, and then all of the kind of barriers that are put in place of the people who are victimized by the by these uh, incident by these crimes. Really, um, tell us a little bit about Corey because I really do think that she, it's a, her story is is well. There's so many in here, but there, she's a particularly compelling story. Right. Corey was uh, uh, um, uh, enlisted in the Coast Guard. Uh, she was, like in really all of our subjects, very patriotic, uh, really wanted to serve uh, their country. In fact, every, every one of our subjects said to us, I don't, I don't want to be a part of the film if the film is bashing the military. I love the military. I wish I was still in the military. And uh, so she w- went into the Coast Guard was assaulted, raped, several uh, assaulted, and then raped by um, uh, one of her uh, mates. And uh, it was when she came forward to report it, they just completely ignored it. Even though in one of the assaults she'd been hit so hard that her jaw was pushed her the disc in her neck back. I mean, she still is suffering with this. I know. And uh, and what's interesting about this is these women were so. Uh, believe in the system so much is that when they were assaulted, everybody around them, their friends were saying, don't report, it will just get worse for you. And they still believed enough in the system to report. And, and then what happened? The, the, the military in each case turned on them and, and, and went after them. We spoke to three women who were uh, single, they were uh, raped by a married man, and the women were charged with adultery. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's really, truly staggering. Just you hear these things and it's just it's hard to believe i mean there's uh uh ariana uh clay who was stationed at the as she put at the tip of the spear of the united states marine corps the the barracks in washington dc her story is just horrible beyond words um ellie ellie helmer Hannah Sewell. I, I, these are people that, who are heroes, who are really deserve to be feeded for what they were, their courage, and just as you described, they're in, instead they are being uh, victimized over and over by the system and by by what's happened to them. Ariana is a particularly compelling story as well. Tell us a little bit more about her, if you could. Well, Ariana um, was uh, an officer in the Marine Corps. She had a, a tour in Iraq. Um, she had a wonderful commander there and uh, was really looking forward to a career in the, in the military. She'd gone to the Naval Academy. And then when she came to Marine Barracks, Washington, which is the most prestigious base in the nation, uh, uh, some of its Marines guard the White House. And uh, 
she was raped there, and then uh, when she, again, when she came forward, everybody within her chain of command repudiated her, and investigations were begun into her. And this, I should say, this, this rape happened uh, less than two years ago at this point. This is, this is something that's still recent. This is not an old problem by any means. Right. As you said, even, you said in 2010, 19,000 men and women were assaulted. The same number in 2011, and again, these are Department of Defense own estimates. Now, I want to clarify: most men in the military are horrified by this. Yeah. Uh, most commanders are horrified by this, and we found this out when the film showed at the uh, uh, premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, where it won the Audience Award. Uh, we had officers that enlisted coming up to us saying, "We're so glad you made the film. We know this is a problem. We want to get this changed. We can't believe our military that we love." is allowing this to happen. And it's absolutely, that's an excellent point to be made here, uh, particularly for the the women and men who are portrayed in the film. They are dedicated. They love what they were uh, being a part of the the military. It was like family. What makes this such a devastating impact on their lives is this sense of this band of brothers and sisters who you feel they're literally, their fate is your fate. And to have this turned on you um, is is devastating to these people. Uh, there's a couple of statistics I think they bear uh, bear uh, repeating, um, and also the sort of the culture of this. The sexual predators who find uh, a place to hide in the U.S. military tend to repeat over and over these offenses. Um, and the, right. there's there's a statistic in in the film about 15 percent of incoming recruits had raped or been involved in some sort of sexual assault. Um, uh, charges before they became in the military, which is twice the uh, general population, which is still staggeringly high when you think about that. But uh, right. So uh, the, let me let me just clarify that they they this was from an anonymous Navy recruit study. These these okay. weren't people who'd been charged and then the Navy let in. The Navy was there. Were, these are people who had in an anonymous study admitted to either attempting or completing rape. But the Navy, uh, for the most part, had had as far as I know, had no idea that that this was the case. Okay. But, but the point is, the point is, is that most of, of, of rapes in the military are caused by serial perpetrators, people who do it again and again. Right. The same is true in the civilian world, that uh, most rapes are caused by serial perpetrators. But the military has not gone after these, these uh, men who are doing this, and really uh, in the, with, with the same will that they fight a war, because these serial perpetrators are really devastating the force from within. They haven't gone after them to investigate, prosecute, and incarcerate them. So what they're doing is they're letting these enemies within, uh, as I said, decimate the fighting force. And you can imagine if there's a rape in the military where someone is in charge, you know, cohesion is, is, is just devastated by that. So this is really a national security issue. Right. We're speaking with Kirby Dick. The film is The Invisible War. It opens today. This is Friday, uh, June 22nd. It's playing here in Los Angeles, the uh, Lemley Monica Theater. Um, that's up in the Los Angeles uh, area, and, and I'm sure will be rolling out across the country over the next few weeks. Um, and you're absolutely right, again, um, to, to frame that properly. The, the, the Everyone it concerned, although the argument can be made, certainly in the film that makes this argument, that the, the military has treated this situation um, either as something they didn't want to deal with or found ways in which uh, the victims became 
uh, victimized over and over again by the system that refuses to acknowledge the veracity of these of these uh, charges. They just refuse to believe that there there was uh, that this happened and and force the victims to essentially prove uh, well beyond any reasonable any standard that this is what happened and. Um, Oh, I mean, this, these stories, these women's stories, and men, by the way, lest people think that this is something that just exclusively happens to women in the military, it happens to men as well. Predators are predator. They don't really care, seem to care who they're victimizing. Right. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. The military to date uh, has, uh, has really not tackled this problem. For the most part, they've covered it up for the last several generations. They are starting to... Re- we, we expected when the film came out there'd be a great deal of blowback, but in fact... The military's response has been has not been uh, to counterattack, the, you know, to attack the film. But in, in some ways, they've been receptive. And in fact, the film uh, was gotten into the hands of Secretary of Defense Liam Panetta, who made some significant policy changes. Uh, and we later learned that he had made he, he had called the press conference where he made those changes because he he'd recently seen the film and the film had made such an impact on him. Well, that's so. And they're important steps, but they're only first steps. They have a long, long way to go. But I think the, the, the film is an extremely powerful and transformative experience for people in the military, for people outside of the military. And we hope that power of film and, and, and that experience will help to change not only the awareness throughout the country, but within the military as well, and, and to put this whole issue behind us. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I think, as described in the film, uh, mo- removing the investigation into these allegations outside the chain of command will be an important part of any kind of reform that needs to t- uh, take place moving forward. W- would you agree with that? That, that seemed to be the oh, case. Absolutely. Um, and Panetta, what Panetta did is he moved it up the chain of command, the decision to investigate and prosecute, but he didn't move it outside of the chain of command. So there's still an opportunity for all kinds of conflicts of interest. Is there should be an independent arbitrator who investigates and prosecutes these crimes, makes the decision to investigate and prosecute these crimes, it, just like it's done in every other civilian justice system in this country. Uh, and uh, that's one of the things we're, we're doing, along with a lot of other people, is to try to pressure the Department of Defense to change this and other policies as well. Well, very good. Well, I, I'm so appreciative of you being here. I'm honored that you came back again. And um, you, you just do fantastic work. Can I, I, I'm just going to gush here for a, one second and just to say you're one of the best filmmakers we have. And uh, I'm honored that you're here. The film is The Invisible War. Kirby Dick, uh, thank you so much for being on Film School. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.